Welcome back to another episode of the Next Level Minds podcast. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, my name is Chris Chapman and I am your host. And this is a podcast dedicated to those who want to reach a next level in their business, personal, or career life. Every other week, I'm blessed to sit down with a fully qualified guest, content creator, entrepreneur, or mover and shaker in their industry and really walk through their story of how they've gotten from point A to point B and overcame various adversities along the way. Now, before we dive into this week's episode, I just want to go ahead and reiterate my main goal, which is to impact over 1 million people by helping them reach a next level in their business personal or career life. So if you've not done this already, please take the time to subscribe to Next Level Minds on Apple Podcasts, as well as sharing this episode with a family member, friend, or colleague really help my goal of wanting to impact over 1 million people. Now on to today's guest, I am sitting down with Coach Matt Doherty. He was the men's basketball coach for multiple colleges, uh, Florida Atlantic University, University of North Carolina, University of Notre Dame, and many others. He also played for UNC from 1980 to 1984. Uh, Along that time, he did play with Michael Jordan, so I know he's going to have some quality leadership lessons there. Currently, he is an executive leadership coach where he coaches executives mainly on the theme of leadership and development. And he also has written a book titled Rebound from Pain to Passion, which goes over a significant amount of learning lessons related to leadership. So want to thank everyone for taking the time to tune in. I know I'm super pumped to sit down with Coach Matt Doherty. But other than that, as we like to say here at Next Level Minds, your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success. Coach Doherty, thanks so much for uh, hopping on the Next Level Minds podcast. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, I'm excited to dive in a little bit, but uh, I see you got the Tar Heel blue on. Um, my mistake for for not rocking that today on the episode. Oh, that's okay. So. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Not a problem. Yeah, but uh, no, I know we're recording in September, so the month's been pretty all right for you, I guess. It. it I can't believe we're in September. It's it just the summer has flown by, and uh, you know, here we are. We're getting into fall and football and, um, you know, the changing seasons is approaching. So it's, it's kind of nice. You always look forward to the change of seasons and, um, summer was good. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, you know, it's fall when you're starting to get the ads for the pumpkin spice lattes and all that stuff from Starbucks, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right. That's the telltale sign when you see the stuff go up. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for college football and everything too. So uh, that, that makes fall great. But um, but no, of course, thank you for hopping on and everything. Obviously, uh, excited to start diving in with you. Um, I do want to talk about your background a little bit. I know obviously you're in Charlotte like myself, mm-hmm. um, but you grew up in uh, in New York, right? That's right. I grew up on Long Island, um, about 30 miles outside of New York City. Gotcha. So what was your, uh, what was your upbringing like as a child? I mean, was it, did your parents instill a lot of like leadership and stuff in you? I mean, what was that like? Uh, I was blessed. Um, really had great family, uh, mom and dad, hardworking dad drove a truck owned a Pepsi route in New York city. Um, mom stayed home, five kids, three older sisters, younger brother. 
middle class. Mm. Uh, my life was revolved around the four seasons, you know, um, baseball, uh, football, uh, and hockey and, and basketball season. And then I, um, had great coaches and great role models growing up, um, from St. Rayfield's Grammar School to Holy Trinity High School. Bob McKillop was my high school coach. The coach at Davidson coached me my first two years in high school. And then Dick Zeitler, after that, we won state championship. And then I was blessed to be able to play at the University of North Carolina for one of the best to ever do it, and Dean Smith. Yeah. Now, obviously, obviously, that's a lot of learning lessons there. So you played multiple sports, right, growing up? Until uh, like sixth grade. I Got, mean, oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I... I, I I played street hockey, touch football, little league baseball. And then in sixth grade, uh, I tell people this all the time. Your life's impacted by three things. Uh, the the people you meet, the books you read, and the trauma in your life. Mm. And uh, two of those three you control, the books you read and the, and the people you meet. So I remember reading a book on Bill Bradley, who was an NBA great for the Knicks. And he talked about, you know, if, you're working on your game and somebody else is working on their game a little bit more than you. When you two meet that other person would have the advantage. And literally I felt like right then I quit baseball and maybe I quit baseball because I, I struggled hitting once it came off the tee. Um, or I just was that passionate about basketball and I, and I was really passionate about basketball. Yeah. Now that I like that learning lesson. So you said the three things you can control the books you read, the then, people you meet and the, 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 the books you read, the people you meet and the trauma in your life and only two of the three you control. Um, but those three things impact your life more than anything. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because the other day I was just talking with somebody, you know, obviously we're in 2022 times are still a bit crazy right now with, with where we're at, um, especially with the economy and stuff. And I was just saying, Hey, listen, you know, you can focus on what you put in your body, what you put in your mind, your habits, your routines, your behaviors. So I'm glad you kind of echoed the same sentiments there. Um, you obviously mentioned you played, you know, UNC. Everyone knows that because I introduced you in the beginning and stuff. Um, I know Michael Jordan was, was your teammate for a bit, right? Yes. Michael and I played three years together. Uh, he was a year after me and then he left after my senior year, uh, his junior year and uh, was, you know, I played with great players, man. Uh, Michael, James Worthy, Sam Perkins, Kenny Smith, Brad Doherty, Jimmy Black, um, uh, uh, Al Wood. I mean, those those are some of the best college basketball players in the 80s, and I was blessed to play with them all. Yeah. Uh, I just watched the Last Dance documentary um, the other day. I mean, it's it's crazy. So is Michael's work ethic, I mean, was it as as raw as it looks on, on the Last Dance and stuff? Yeah, or? he always was. He loved the game. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a fine line between work and, you know, passion. It's like if you're passionate about something, is it really work? And I think that uh, Michael loved the game of basketball. And so he was always eager to show up early to the gym and stay late and work on his game and play in the summertime. And um, I remember we, we lost my junior year to georgia in the eastern regional finals the game to go to the final four and the next day he was playing pickup in the in the gym so uh he just loves the game loves competition and has a boundless amount of energy yeah 
And, and so you said, you, would you say there's a difference between passion and hard work is what you were kind of alluding to? Well, I'm not, I wouldn't say there's a difference. I think there's a tie in. I don't think you can really work extremely hard if you're not passionate about something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to give it your all. You know, I, I don't like when people say, oh, I give 110%. Uh, you know, you can only give your maximum, right? Um, but it's a lot easier to give your maximum when you're passionate about something. If you, if you really don't like something, you're probably not able to give 100%. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I kind of want to ask you an advice question here just for some of the listeners, because um, you did mention if it if you are passionate about something, it is a bit easier, obviously, to put in the work. I mean, that makes sense, right? So if somebody's out there and whether they're running their own business or they're kind of growing in their career, but maybe they're not too passionate about the industry, I mean, what's kind of the next step would you suggest there? Well, I, I think a couple things. First of all, uh, if, if young people are listening um, or you know, but mainly young people limit your overhead, uh, credit card debt. Um, don't have a child until you're ready. Um, don't, don't spend money. You don't have, you can't, if you don't have the money in the bank to pay for it, uh, don't, don't pay for it. Don't buy it. Um, uh, because debt will then force you to stay in careers that you don't like. Uh, if you can put away a year's worth of salary, that gives you some freedom to make decisions and walk away from bad situations. Uh, I worked on Wall Street for four years, didn't like my job, and was able to quit and move down to Charlotte in the late 80s. And I thought I was going to get in the real estate business and ended up getting into coaching. And then 11 years later, I was the head coach at Notre Dame. If I had overhead and didn't have financial freedom to be able to leave my job in New York, I would have been stuck miserable in a job. And, you know, who knows? I mean, I was drinking at the time. I wasn't happy. And um, I ended up, you know, becoming sober. I I don't tell many people this, but I've got sober, quit my job, moved to Charlotte. And 11 years later, I'm the head coach at Notre Dame because I had the freedom to make those decisions. And and so I think the biggest thing is stay out of debt. Don't have children till you're ready. Um, find a good partner when you do and um, really invest in yourself and, and, and spend, you know, below your means. I, I love that you mentioned that because I think so many people as their income starts to increase, their expenses start to increase as well. And then, you know, exactly how you talked about, you're just trapped in that job. Yeah. You want to have a a year's worth of salary in the bank. So you're either can, you know, you might get fired or you can walk away, but it's a miserable existence. If you can't walk away from a job, you're not passionate about. Now, are you going to be passionate about every aspect of your job? No. But is it something that excites you and can get you out of bed in the morning? Then you're onto something. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I I love what you mentioned as well. Um, You're not going to like every aspect. I had another business owner and and leader on here a few months ago. They're like, listen, I love the industry I'm in. I love what I'm doing, but do I love every single moment of it? No. And so I was like, that kind of painted the perspective. You don't have to love every single moment. You just have to kind of love the the sector, the process and stuff as well. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I do want to ask, so you obviously coached, you know, Notre Dame, then UNC, right? Um, and I think I saw what, 2001, were you the AP national coach of the year? Was that correct? That's right. Yeah. Cool. So what were those kind of first few years leading up to 2001? Cause I know to get AP national coach of the year, it's not just snap your fingers and boom, there you go. I'm sure there's a lot of back end stuff that you did prior to even that year that, that well, happened. So, you know, my experiences at Davidson with Bob McKillop and then at Kansas with Roy Williams, uh, uh, put me in position to get the Notre Dame job. And, you know, I love Notre Dame. I was there this past weekend with my brother and uh, just walking that campus, seeing some old friends, um, staff members, players. And uh, Mike Bray has been very good, gracious to me, the head coach there. Um, you know, we had great memories. We made a you know, we, we, we felt like we did something in a, in one short year. I wish I was there longer. It was hard to leave, but um, I, I reached out to some former players like Matt Carroll, Ryan Humphrey, Troy Murphy, and, you know, the, the exchanges we had meant a lot to me um, because even over 20 years later, uh, we still think about that was such a fun year we had. And then when North Carolina came available and Roy Williams turned it down, uh, they recruited me to take the job, and um, that first year we we made an impact. We won their regular season ACC championship. We ranked number one in the country. We beat Duke at Duke, um, and um, as a result, I was fortunate enough to be voted Coach of the Year. But that's really a team award, in my opinion. And um, so that was exciting, man. I mean, we we had one of the longest winning streaks in Carolina history. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I, I bet, especially when you beat Duke, right? Yeah, it was. <laughs> I hadn't beaten Duke at Duke in five years, so that was pretty cool to do that. Yeah, yeah. Let Let me ask you this: so, h- how much? I believe you're the first coach I've had out of you know maybe a hundred something guests. Um, so I do want to ask, as a coach, like how much goes into actually developing the players' kind of mental aspect in regards to, you know, the physical stuff as well? Uh, I think the mental aspect is maybe as or more important than the physical aspect, because you could have the physical talent, the body, but if you're not mentally strong, mentally confident, resilient, uh, tough, I don't care how big and strong you are versus, you know, I'd rather have somebody who's not the strongest player in the court, but he's the strongest mentally. Um, uh, there's a book that Pete Carrill, the former Princeton coach who recently passed away, wrote that the smart take from the strong. And, you know, I believe that, you know, now if you have a combination like Michael Jordan, where he's smart and strong, um, and tough, now you got something. So the toughness was a big thing for me to be mentally tough, play smart. Uh, coach Smith would always say play smart, uh, play hard, play smart, play together. And I think if we did that, we'd have a good chance to win. Yeah, definitely. Do you, do you believe in the, in the phrase, um, and you've probably heard this, you know, team is only as strong as its uh, weakest link. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe so. Um, I was the weak link in 1982 and we won a national championship. Um, I think, you know, I, I would take, Michael Jordan, James Worthy, Sam Perkins, you know, that's a pretty good trio. I think you could have a lot of weak links yeah. with those two, with those three players. So, um, 
you know, I think I think there's something to be said for that. But uh, um, you know, it, it definitely takes talent to win, but it takes a toughness and and as Coach Smith would always say, savvy. Mm, toughness, and then as you said, Coach Smith with with savvy as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotcha. Yep. Um, so 2001 AP national coach of the year. And then 2003 is when kind of some setbacks and stuff happened for you. Right? Oh yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You didn't say we're going to talk about this part of it. Uh, um, Chris, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because people introduce me sometimes at speaking, you know, when I, I do corporate talks, I, I've written a book, yep. I'm an executive coach and I'll go speak at an event and they'll talk about, you know, former head coach at Notre Dame, North Carolina, Florida Atlantic and SMU. And if anybody's really paying attention and they're 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 following that graph and they see it go up, 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 and then down, it's like, you know, okay, what happened? Yeah. Well, I, I felt felt betrayed by my alma mater. I, I was asked to step aside after my third year. Um, my leadership was questioned. Um and you know, gave room for Roy Williams to come in and take over. And two years later, he wins the national championship with a team that I put together. That was very difficult. Um, but I went on a leadership journey, Chris. And I think as a player and a coach, you have a mindset of, okay, we lost that game. We got to watch the film. We got to get better. You know, I mean, you went to Clemson, you know, the football program with Dabo Sweeney. You know, you lose a game, you watch the film on Sunday, uh, you put a practice plan in place, you start practice on Monday and get better. And that's what I wanted to do. I I was publicly scrutinized, questioned as a leader. So I went on a leadership journey, went to um, work with an executive coach in Charlottesville, Virginia, took a class of hers at the Darden School, went to the Wharton School, took a class there. I was just curious. And and that's a thing that a lot of people talk about, a lot of leaders talk about is you you have to have a curiosity. Hmm. Um, You need to be a lifelong learner. You, You know, I go back again to, okay, your life's impacted by three things, the people you meet, the books you read, and the trauma in your life. Well, I had trauma in my life by losing my job at North Carolina in 2003. So then I went and met Carol Weber and Fran Johnson, who were executive coaches at Darden and Wharton, respectively. I read books in their classes. And the most important book I read was The Art of Emotional, uh, Primal Leadership, The Art of Emotional Intelligence by Daniel Goleman. And in that book, it, it stated that leadership is a learned behavior. And when I read that, Chris, it was the most exciting thing I've ever read in my life. And that made a huge impact on my life. Just knowing that that leadership is a learned behavior. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Because at that point, I was down as a leader. I was beaten up emotionally. I was thinking that maybe I'm not a good leader. Hmm. You know, they're telling me I'm not a good leader. I made some mistakes as a leader. I, 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 I didn't communicate great. I didn't understand. I called the six no's of leadership. Um, I, I use the acronym Stevitt. I make a story up that Stevitt was an Eastern European basketball player I recruited. You know, the S stands for self. You got to know yourself. And I didn't know myself. I, 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 I didn't know what my strengths were and what my weaknesses were and, and how to manage those. 
And quite often your biggest strengths, your biggest weakness. Yeah. And then how do you, you got to know your team. Not everyone's the same, you know, uh, so you can't treat everybody the same. And then and talk about knowing your environment. Well, when I took over at North Carolina, it's a little different than taking over at Notre Dame. And I didn't, I didn't understand and manage those two environments differently. And vision, and then you got to know your industry. And then lastly, and, and maybe the most important thing, you got to mind for the truth. You have to have truth tellers in your life, Chris, that are going to be able to say things to you that are uncomfortable. But if you don't manage the truth, the truth will manage you right out the door. So I want to know sooner than later that my players aren't happy with the way I'm running practice, or they're not happy with our most recent loss, or they don't like the way I run practice. I want to know that. I'd rather know that right away so I could address it, change it, or communicate with them in a different manner. And instead of waiting till you're forced to resign. And so how do you mine for the truth? That is an art form. Mm. I, that story is just amazing. I mean, I, I've, I've read it right before the episode, but just, you know, hearing it from, from the horse's mouth, if you will. Um, so thanks for sharing that. I, I do want to ask a pivotal moment in that story. You talked about, you know, when you were forced to resign that you just soaked in all the leadership, you know, Carol Weber, um, you invested back into yourself with books and everything. So what kind of caused you to do that rather than what some people may do of just like, screw this. I'm just going to go back to what I was doing before this type of thing. Yeah. I, I think, I think, you know, I mean, part of my DNA, I always was curious. I wanted to, I always ask questions. Why? Yeah. I was always a note taker. Um, yeah, you know, I, I love studying basketball, shooting, and I'd write notes on on you know notebooks or the side of my calendar. And I was always taking notes and I was always curious and I was always asking why, what if, you know, how can you get better? And so as a coach, as I stated, you know, when you lose a game, you watch the film and okay, yeah, I lost the game. Okay, I lost my career. I can, I can, you have three choices when you face adversity. You can accept it. You can complain and whine about it and say, woe is me. Or you can embrace it and learn from it. And that's what I chose to do. Three choices, right? Yeah, three. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's a mindset, you know, um, I think it was Oprah Winfrey said it, it, it doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. Mm. Yeah. I've heard that one before. And I've also heard the, um, I don't have to do this. I get to do this mentality yep. as well. So yep. and, just and, another way and, of saying and it. Then, you know, talking with some of my old assistants, Doug Wojcik, communicating with him, who was at the college of Charleston. Um, you know, these are, life experiences and you know there were times where i wondered you know what if i didn't have those experiences would i be have a better life you know like would i be happier and and it starts to realize that you know what i had some pretty incredible experiences that not a lot of people get to have and not all of them turned out great 
But uh, as one of my players said, I had the, he didn't quite say it this way. You know, you had the, the, the guts to do it, yeah. to go for it. And, and that, that, that was pretty healing um, that he would say that to me. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and I think also, I, I believe, and I posted about this today, actually, um, that, that all storms come to an end, right? It's could be a long one, could be a short one, could be a medium sized one, but it's going to come to an end. You just have to keep running through the storm and then you come out sprinting down the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Or scarred or, or scraped yeah. up or bloodied or, or whatever. Um, but, uh, no, it, 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 uh, it is what it is. And what I've tried to do is now, uh, my book is rebound from pain to passion leadership lessons learned. So I want to work with people and help them avoid the landmines that I stepped on. Yeah. Because it's very fundamental stuff. And I go back to the organizational triangle, you know, it's talent systems and culture mm. and you can control your systems and culture and the better your systems and the better your culture the better your talent will perform the better uh talent you'll attract and the better talent you'll retain and it all goes back to at the top of that is is talent you said right well you got to have i mean talent is is it's whatever talent is there whether it's good talent or bad talent yeah. If you have bad talent, you still need good systems and good culture. And then you that that talent can perform at a higher level. You know, like I talked about earlier, um, Pete Carroll, Pete Carrill at Princeton. He didn't have great talent. They, they had some huge upsets in the NCAA tournament, one being UCLA. Because he had a great system and great culture. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I want to keep diving in on this leadership. So when sure. you emailed me, when you emailed me back, I saw that your um uh not your subject line, your your end of the email said learn and grow. Yes. Uh, so which I thought was pretty cool. I've been I've been thinking about that a little bit. Can you can you elaborate on that a little bit more detail? Yeah, I just like to sign off on that. Um, you know, we all have mantras, we all have beliefs, we all have things that are important to us. And my um kind of motto is learn and grow. Um I'm a lifelong learner. Uh, I was told that in 2003 by Fran Johnston. I never heard that term before. Uh, she was the executive coach that uh, taught a class at uh, Wharton and uh, someone I worked with very closely for about a year. And um, when she explained what she meant by lifelong learner, um, I'm like, yeah, that kind of fits. And so you're going to, you, you, you have choices. Again, you can accept it. You know, and and say, okay, yeah, I am who I am, or you can whine about it, and 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 then you can embrace it and say, oh man, that that hurt, but boy, I'm going to learn from that, and uh, I'm going to get better as a result. So Nelson Mandela, I love his quote. Um, he said, "I never lose; I either win or I learn," mm. and that's the mindset of winners of champions you can't be afraid to lose because then you're never going to step up to the plate in big moments you will fail there's like three guarantees in life death taxes and adversity you will deal with adversity don't be afraid of it like okay it's coming wow that wasn't so bad what do we learn from that okay let's not do that again 
you know, uh, or, you know, what? we are kind of tough. We can handle a lot of crap. Okay, cool. Or I'm glad I saved that money. You know, um, yeah, I got fired, but I took a year off and, you know, traveled around and studied different programs. Yeah, that's, that's a blessing. Um, one thing that I, I touch on that's very difficult for me is the comparison games. Uh, um, comparison games are the work of the devil. And yet in sports and business, you're always comparing yourself to the your competition. <clears throat> As a player growing up on Long Island, who's the tallest one in the grade? Who's the fastest one in the grade? Who can jump the highest? You get to high school, you know, who's the best player on Long Island? Who, then who's the best player in the country? Then you get to college, who's the best team? You're always comparing, and that drives you. But it can also really suck the, the energy, the, the happiness from your life because somebody's always going to have a bigger house. Somebody's always going to have a bigger car. Somebody's going to always have a bigger bank account. Um, and so can you be content and at peace with who you are and what you have? That's, to me, a big challenge, especially for myself. Yeah, I, I think everyone deals with that, whether no matter kind of the level that they deal with, but it, it makes so much sense. Like you, you could achieve this success, but someone's always going to have the bigger bank account. Um, and then I, I love that you mentioned kind of the advice at the end about just having peace with yourself. Um, and I always try to compare myself to the version that I was, you know, yesterday, you've kind of, I'm sure you've heard that phrase multiple times and stuff too. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah, no, it's good. Uh, so I want to ask, I know you coach executives. Um, what, what would you say right now uh, in 2022? I mean, some of the most important qualities to have uh, as a leader and what are you kind of coaching them on? Well, I think, um, you know, again, I touched on uh, <clears throat> systems and culture. Yep. But you can control that. Um, I'm a fan of this operating system called the EOS. It's uh, There's a book out there called Traction. A lot of businesses, small to mid-sized businesses use it. Um, and, and it's, what is it? It's structure. It's a structure um, to use. How do you organize your meetings? How do you organize your your you know your org chart? How do you um, set your goals? Uh, what 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 uh, um, templates do you use to track progress? How do you hold people accountable? And then the culture. You know what is your culture? What are your core values? You know I usually ask at the beginning of a talk. You know. So I'll point to somebody and say, okay, uh, Chris, what um, you're the president of XYZ Corporation. What are your core values? And a lot of times they'll get like, you get crickets. And then they look up in the, the air and then they start mumbling and maybe they pull out their iPhone and say, hold on, I got it right here. I'm like, not too late. You know, eh, you, you didn't pass the test. So I'm big on core values and and the behaviors that cascade from that um and and so you know that's that's powerful um and then like i, I said earlier the six no's of leadership you really got to know yourself first and foremost yeah. so how do you know yourself where do you get feedback have you taken any assessments um uh, i'm certified to give the disc assessment i also like culture index uh, I took Myers-Briggs, 
any of those things to give you better insight into yourself, but really to understand that not everybody's like you. And so I read this somewhere or heard this somewhere that you know, we talk about the golden rule, treat people how you want to be treated, but it really should be the platinum rule, treat people how they want to be treated. Because not everybody wants to be treated like you do. Like I, I don't mind. And, you know, to some extent, I enjoy getting out in front of people and talking and getting the MVP trophy and, you know, being interviewed after a game. My son doesn't like that attention. He doesn't want to be singled out, even for good stuff. He wants to sit in the back and be part of the team. Well, in a disc assessment, those are the S's. They're steady. They make up 69% of the population. So if you don't get along with the S's, you're not getting along with 69% of the population. I thought S's stood for soft and you couldn't win with them. Turns out, boy, oh boy, they are really the, the thread that holds your culture together, your organization together. And if they believe in you, they are pushing the crowd from behind in support of you. And if they don't believe in you, it's going to be hard to win the team over. That's the stuff that I'm talking about. That's, that's magic right there. So as you get to know yourself, you get to know your team and really understand your environment. Again, Stevit, S-T-E-V-I-T. You know, what is your environment like? Not every environment's the same. You know, just because you were successful as the head coach at Notre Dame doesn't mean you're going to be successful at North Carolina because there's different politics in place. And then what is your vision? I talk about this, you know, can you share your vision and then give your team paint brushes to paint on the canvas? And once they start painting, then you really have buy-in. And then the industry, you got to know your industry. That's common sense. But people aren't going to follow incompetent leaders. You you need to be a subject matter expert, not in everything, not in everything, but you better know how to how to coach, how to lead. And then lastly, the T in Stevitt, the second T, you got to mind for the truth. How do you mind for the truth? How do you know? and get a feel of what your team is truly thinking and believing about you and your organization. If you can master those six things, pretty good leader. Man, I love that. It's S-T-E-V-I-T. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. I, I think the um, the one that really stuck out to me is just what you mentioned about um, focus on what they want, right? Different people are going to have different I- I- intrinsic motivators you know, for me, it's financial freedom, uh, being able to buy rental properties with commissions that I get from sales. So when I'm talking to my sales manager, they're like, Hey, listen, you know, if you can do this and this and this, you're closer to your goal of getting, you know, your second, third property, right. But somebody else, they may not care about that at all. Right. No. They may say, Oh, I actually prefer, you know, more time off. Well, Hey, maybe we'll give you an extra week or two if you could reach this milestone. So I'd love that you mentioned that. Cause there's no kind of, you know, blanket approach to, to, to helping team members and stuff. And, and that's, that was kind of old school, yeah. you know, uh, it's not, it can't be done that way anymore. And, um, yeah. So, uh, 
how's your I'll, I'll, after the after we're done recording, I'll ask you about rental properties. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so I want to ask kind of the one word that I always wrap everything up with is just, you know, coach, what would you say your one word uh, to just kind of describe the journey that you've had uh, so far in life is? One word, it would be growth. I like it. Going back yeah. to the uh, the mantra, you know, learn yeah. and, and then growth on that one as well. That's right. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, I know you got your book, uh, Rebound and everything. Um, where, where can people connect with you? Grab a copy of the book. I mean, we, we obviously want to help you out. Um, there could be some business owners listening that maybe could could benefit from some of the services you offer. Yeah, no, thank you. You go to uh, my website. We're just uh, uh, putting a new wrinkles on it. DohertyCoaching.com. D-O-H-E-R-T-Y coaching.com. Um, and, you know, do corporate talks. Um, I do uh, uh, executive coaching, especially in the Charlotte area with Vistage. And uh, they want to reach me. They, they, they have access to me through the website, DohertyCoaching.com. Perfect. And I'll, uh, I'll put the link in the, uh, the show notes for your book. You have a, a second or, or maybe potentially even third book you're, you're thinking about yes, in the future. Yes. Or? I've already got a couple of things in mind for titles. Um, work, writing a book. If you really write the book is a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, people that spit out books left and right sometimes like you didn't write that book. You didn't write that book. Somebody else wrote it for you. Ghostwriter. Uh, yeah. Because it, 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 it is a lot of work but it's one of the most uh, gratifying things that I've done. Yeah. No, I love it. Well, Hey, I'll, I'll put that there. And uh, of course, coach Doherty, thank you so much, uh, obviously for being a guest on the show. I know my listeners all got a, a significant amount of value out of it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on the show, Chris. Well, that's it, everyone. Thanks again for taking the time to sit down on this week's episode of Next Level Minds. Be sure to connect with Coach Matt Doherty on the social media handles in the show notes. Also, check out his book, Rebound. And other than that, I hope everyone has a fantastic week ahead.